Welcome back to another episode of the Most of Musa podcast. Today in the studio is Alisa O'Clock. Hey, Welcome. Thank you so much. How are you? <laughs> I'm super good. This is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in Belgium? Yeah, I did. Oh, your whole life? Yeah, I grew up actually in a family with uh, three languages. So it's not as typical Belgian family. My father is uh, Italian and my mother is Belgian. So, uh, yeah, we speak like Italian, Dutch and French. So it's a chaotic home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's really cool. Like growing up, uh, you yeah. knew a lot of different languages. It helped me so much, actually. Like, it's really, if you have a, a couple or like if you have a partner one day, <laughs> or like when uh, that you have a, a different language, you really should raise your children in your mother tongue. It's such a benefit for the children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I have nieces and nephews from my cousins and they speak like uh, Urdu, Punjabi, English, Swedish, all of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, but it's really, it it allows you to travel to these countries and speak with locals and it's just allows your brain to pick up uh, new information and new lang- languages way quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you grow up in the city or the countryside? Uh, I mean, <laughs> Belgium countryside. Okay, there is a countryside, yes. No, I grew up in Brussels, so really like city, city. Now that I live in Sweden, I'm like, oh, my God, nature. Thank mm. you. Yeah, like when uh, I had some guests coming from the UK here to visit us and they were like really surprised. Oh, there's so much nature here. But yeah. now living here for so long, I don't really think about that. I'm like, oh, there's buildings everywhere. You're going into the city. And <laughs> yeah, okay, in the city center, but there's parks everywhere. And if you just take a bus for like half an hour, 40 minutes, you can really be like at a lake and just swim. For me, that's really out of this world. That's something I would do when I would go to Austria or Germany on vacation. And then you're like, oh, a lake. But here I can do it like five minutes from my home. Yeah, like Stockholm is surrounded by nature reserves, like 15 minutes away, you can like be in fully nature. Exactly. It's, I think it's incredible. Yeah. Mm. Did you grow up in a very artistic family? Were your parents uh, kind of creative people? Ah, that's a good question. I would say my father is creative. Yeah, he has like always these passions. It was beer at a certain time. Now he makes these drawings. Drinking or <laughs> making? <laughs> making, actually. <laughs> my parents don't like alcohol. Mm. Uh, making. And then now he makes kind of drawings based on um, mathematics. Um, and my mother is more creative with, with language, I think, and with people. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, oh, there's paintings everywhere or I have like film in my family. Not that way. So how did you get into photography? Actually, yeah, it's my, again my father, though. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he has been into photography a little bit on the side. So he did like nature photography by himself with some people. And uh, I started using his camera and then he was like, okay, I actually want a camera only for myself. So I will buy one for my children. And then I was really happy. Um, and then I started as every kid who was like, how old was I? Maybe like 13. I started taking photos of my dolls and like of my friends, really awkward, embarrassing photos. Um, but I never really realized how much I liked it. It was more like, yeah, I made a photo book, though. I was like into it, but I never really, it never grasped, grasped me, grasped me like that I really liked it. And then I was in Uppsala doing my Erasmus and uh, it was Corona um, and there were no parties and all of the things that you're supposed to do on your Erasmus, they went away. And then I suddenly found myself with so much time. And I realized that I had kind of this underlying uh, dream to do something creative, like to start a blog, basically. And I didn't really have to think about it. I felt that it was photography and then it was going to be connected with sustainable fashion. 
And then I just, uh, I didn't even have my camera in Sweden. So I borrowed one from my Chinese housemates. He was amazing. And uh, I went to like a secondhand store and I was just like, I would love to use your clothes for a photo shoot. And then I will tag your store. Can I please uh, do that? And then there was like an old woman and she was like not understanding me. And But she was like, yeah, why not? And then that I did one photo shoot with a girl from Australia. And then one photo shoot after the other came. Like I literally fell in love. And that's two years ago now. Awesome. So when you first started doing photography, were you like, uh, did you think that you wanted to do like landscapes or were you always interested in shooting people? Yeah, always people, actually. Mm -hmm. I really like people. I really like something that moves. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, of course, I like nature, but no, it's always been portraits. And then afterwards, it became fashion photography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I was really nervous. I started when I started photography, like professionally. I didn't start shooting people for a very long time. I was like really nervous. Uh-huh. Oh, is another person there? How are they gonna feel? How do you like? I want to because if I mess up in a just landscape or street photography, yeah. this is not a big deal. It's just my yeah, failure. Yeah. But but then when you're shooting a person, they have expectations as well, and you have to meet yeah. those. <laughs> but what is the worst that can happen? Like the f- that they have a weird face. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just like put these um, um, expect like I don't know put these uh, expectation on myself that oh I have to or what do you, what is it like these artificial fears you can say that I had mm-hmm. oh what would happen what's the worst that could happen or blah 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 yeah, you know yeah. but now if, uh, I started with like shooting some friends and then I got yeah. more comfortable and sh- then shooting with the strangers and models yeah you shoot strangers as well. Yeah, I actually had a Instagram, you know, Humans of New York. Yeah, of course, love that. Yeah, so I had yeah. a, a similar project uh-huh. on Instagram in Stockholm where I would go to random people, take their portrait and ask them like a question or something. How, do you still do that? No, it was like several years ago. Nice, that's yeah. super cool. Actually, uh, I had uh, two of my classmates in Uppsala did that too for a project. Mm-hmm. Faces of Uppsala. It was really mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mine was called Peculiar Portraits. Yeah, good, yeah. Uh, good name. Yeah, but oh, I realized yeah. uh, maybe my questions weren't very good or whatever. But I realized mostly uh, Swedish people wouldn't give really uh, good answers. answers. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> While like tourists, like when you ask yeah. them, they're like they're really engaging and wanted to give long answers. Like, what's your deepest fear? Yeah, like this kind of. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I think actually. I'm I'm really used to speaking to strangers on, on tra- strangers on the streets. I actually did it yesterday. I was at a party and I was so inspired by a girl's outfit, and I was just like, I have to talk to her. I was just like, I love your outfit and I love the way you look today. Like I would love to do a photo shoot of you and just we exchange our Instagram. And she was Swedish, and if you just like find a way to like approach them, they actually love talking. They like it. They just you have to start. Yeah, exactly. That's just the basic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I I have fun talking to strangers. Yeah, yeah. Like if I if you give me like two options, hey, you want to go meet a friend or you want to go talk to a stranger, I would <laughs> I would go meet a stranger. Good, I'm a stranger. <laughs> yeah, <good>. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what what inspires you? Like, do you follow other photographers? Do you do you get inspired by people's stories or the what do you call it, the aesthetics about photography? Mm-hmm. Good question. I get inspired by uh, colors, I think. I don't know why. Like if you see my feed, it's really colorful, even though that's not the only thing I do, of course. You have to adapt to your client. But I really like, for example, yesterday when I saw that girl in that green outfit, I mean, I love green. 
And that's just... Oh, green is my favorite color as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just... I guess it's my brain who just picked that. But uh, yeah, I guess she inspired me. I guess um, we are, I follow a lot of other photographers, but it's really easy to compare yourself. That's really like a big lesson that you really have to learn. Like I'm still in that process of when you when you compare yourself too much with other creatives, you really lose your own creativity because creativity, of course, is created by copying in a way other people's ideas. But if you start thinking that you will never reach that or that they're always better, you will end up not creating. So it's really important to find a balance between being inspired and really closing down your Instagram app and going on the street and being like, okay, I love this color of this building. That's gonna, and then suddenly you have an idea. Like that's how my ideas are created, by walking around in the city and by being in nature and yeah. I don't know, I never compared myself in a way where I thought, I wasn't good enough as other creatives. Mm. Whenever I look at other photographers, <laughs> whenever I look at other photographers' Instagram feed, I'm like... I'm better. Uh, yeah. What? Not like I'm better, <laughs> but I don't like their style because oh. I'm like, uh, I've developed my own style and I like it. But when I see other people, I'm like, oh, no, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> so, oh, really? But that's actually yeah. like really good. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's really important yeah. to like your own style. I don't know if you realize this, but at first, when I started first editing and uh, uh, taking pictures and editing them, playing with the colors and mm. everything, uh, you know, I don't know where you edit, but in Lightroom, there's like a, you can uh, edit the hue and saturation yeah. of each different color. Yes, yes. And then I started realizing color more around my surroundings, like in reality, when I would look at the sky, I would say, uh -huh. oh, there's just not blue there. There's like, yeah. there's different uh, hues and tints. And exactly. if I took a picture of this right now, what would I change? I started seeing yeah, yeah. colors more. That's very interesting. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, Lightroom allows you to really adjust everything like of colors it's so, uh, i don't know like a lot of different photographers i know follow big photographers and get inspiration i don't follow like a single big photographer really? like if you ask me any big photographer's name like nothing i don't know anyone no? <laughs> but actually i heard one thing that i found quite interesting is that if you see a lot of bad pictures around you for example you will end up taking bad pictures i, I don't know if that's true but in a way i like seeing very good photos going at the museum or something, photographiska, and then you see like, okay, this photo is good. Why is it good? And like trying to understand what it is that it make, makes this photo good. And I think I, because that's how I learn as well. I try to copy certain styles. Like, okay, for example, um, usually what makes a photo very good, I think, is just really the subject. I think that's just underestimated how you can put a lot of money in a photo shoot and um, that usually allows yourself to create a more extraordinary photo. That's really what I think. Like if you have a very specific model with a very special face and you have a crazy dress and you're like on a crazy location and you have good lighting, like that makes a good photo. Like when you just go on the street now, it's way more difficult to take an extraordinary photo. That's what, yeah. Uh, mm. If you're a good photographer, you can do it in both situations, but. Yeah, I mean, it's true with, I think everything in life, we, it, like your art and your perspective is around it's is affected by the things around you if you like surround yourself with bad ideas you're not going to have good ideas yeah, if you yeah. surround yourself with bad friends you're not going to like succeed you know it's i think it's with everything yeah exactly and i think it's the especially it gets worse if you're surrounded by a bad influence because mm -hmm. i recently uh, read this study like a psychological study that if you put an extroverted like a more agreeable person in and uh, surround them with introverted people mm -hmm. or less agreeable people, like 
the person who's extroverted becomes more introverted. Mm, yeah, of it, course. But it doesn't work vice versa. The introverts will not become extroverts. Introverts will not become extroverts. Okay. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, that's how human brains are developed. Like if you if you are in the company of depressed friends and you are super cheerful, mm. like you will become more depressed. Mm. But if you put a super depressed friend in a company of good positive friends, they will not become good and positive. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I so negativity why. kind of spreads. It doesn't work the other so way around. It's, it's actually easier to become negative than. Yeah, exactly. Positive. Yeah, it's it's true. I'm I'm actually reading a lot about it and experimenting a lot because of course I also have negative feelings sometimes and that like downplay me and that don't want to feelings that don't allow myself to dream big or that make me compare with others and I only realized now how how much they actually make me dream smaller how much you don't allow yourself to to grow and if you say that you never compare yourself with others it's a really good sign because it means that you focus on your own path and i used to be that a lot when i was younger but i only recently i think it's really social media that just makes me think oh they're always better or i'm not good enough i'm not there yet i'm not professional yet i'm not you know all these thoughts and yeah i think with manifesting and affirmations it's helping me a bit to Focus on your own story. Like, it's way more powerful. Did you think, like, yeah. uh, before social media, people confer- uh, compared themselves with other people? Yeah, of course, always, but not as much. Mm. I'm. I really think there is an intrinsic toxic aspect of social social media. Like, I mean, we've seen the social dilemma. I went to an event at Norgeen of Tristan Harris, who is like a researcher, and he talked about social media and. One thing that he said was quite interesting. He said, um, if you would allow like Instagram to, for example, um, distinguish its messaging option from its social media option, it would be already way better because then sometimes you can delete the social media option, but you can still be in contact with your friends. Mm -hmm. Because the reason that it is so hard for us to stay away from social media is because it allows us to connect with others. But it doesn't mean that you always want to see what everyone is doing. That's kind of the... Sometimes I just want to open the Instagram app and answer a DM. Of, or post a photo. And then I, I'm always seeing what others are doing. And then sometimes it can trigger me to be like, oh, that's something I want to do. And I haven't done it yet. Um, so, yeah, I think social media, we have to learn how to um, treat it in a healthier mm. way, actually. Mm. And that's super true. I have a big, like, FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, yeah. So when I see, like, I've actually have just muted people's stories mm. who, who was our like triggering me I was just like okay yes. then I would never watch the stories again no you should you should really like stop scrolling and start creating <clears throat> that's true but yeah before social media like even if you're we were comparing ourselves to other but that was only confined to our community like people around mm. us maybe exactly. like in our neighborhood or our school or whatever but now like uh, a person living in Pakistan is comparing their lives to like celebrities and yeah their background and their their lifestyle is completely different yeah. so that might create some insecurities or jealousy or whatever you may call it yeah and it's also kind of this like you can make it mentality american dream kind of vibe there's like an influencer culture now so many people want to be an influencer and they think that that's going to unlock their successful future um i don't know what i think about that it's um because not everyone has the same resources to become so popular and famous like it's just really systematically 
usually blonde, skinny girls with usually more wealthy uh, backgrounds who are able to become influencers. And I mean, yeah, there's something problematic a little bit about it. I mean, even the word influence, like, why do you want to influence other people, you know? Yeah, so it's a weird, weird word. We should mm. say inspire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in a way, we all want to make, like, even I think influencers, they believe that they're making a positive inspa- uh, impact. I think mm. they believe they're, like, inspiring other people, like, intrinsically. Mm-hmm. I think even, like, I would want to be, like, a quote-unquote influencer. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, get my voice out, maybe if I can help another person. Yeah. Yeah, but you never know what the mindset of the people who are hearing it, it really is. Like, I cannot control how people perceive my words. Like, yeah. someone, you know, could, uh, like like you said before, like, you can say, oh, you can make it, you know, go make money or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Someone can actually really, like, get inspired by exactly. it and start to hustle while the other person yeah. will also be like, hey, I don't have resources. I can't this do is, it. And then I you will, exactly, it. Yeah, then you will yeah, think yeah, you're yeah. worthless because... Mm-hmm. That's what modern day success is. It's really based on numbers. Mm. Yeah. I think I, I realized that growing up, we were always told by our parents and other elders that what you see on the TV is not reality. Yeah. So don't believe in it. Yeah. And I think we need to teach our kids the same thing right yeah. now in our schools or whatever when they're growing up. That what you see on social media is not real. Mm. Don't believe it. Like you barely, you are barely faced with people who are like showing their reality. It's yeah. only positive faces, fake, you know, fake money. People would buy like a maybe like a lease and or rent a Lamborghini and then pretend yeah. it's their Lamborghini. Yeah, of course. And stuff yeah. like that. It's a curated version of reality. Mm. Yeah. Like down in the future, we're gonna see. Like I think my sister right now is. That's the first generation that's growing up with social media since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't get social media until I was like, I didn't get my first phone until I was 18. Yeah. And now they're growing up with social media and we don't know the f- fully the impact yeah, of no, it in their don't. psychology. And I think it's going to have big effects. It's going to be a, like, yeah, when, we're going to find out, like, like down the road. Like, oh, <laughs> but we, are already, so. we already know mm-hmm. that it is really bad in, to a certain extent that beauty standards are shifting in that way. I mean, there's a lot of change coming up. There's a lot of body positivity and uh, more black creators getting more visibility, like slowly, but it's just, of course, not fast enough. But I agree. I think for younger girls, it's especially with beauty standards Mm. is uh, problematic. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I I don't know if I had a daughter, how would I teach her to be comfortable with her own body? By be allowing her, by showing her real bodies, that's the power of visual. That's why I love photography because mm-hmm. photography is a medium of representation. The more you see a certain body type, the more you see hairy armpits, the more you're gonna think that's actually not too bad. But if we don't see any women wearing having hairy legs in the street, then you will never dare to have hairy legs and on a meeting, because it's all about showing a version of reality and then slowly your eyes are adapting to it. That's really how our mind works. And our society is made in a way that it's mostly girls who are affected by like um, body insecurities. I mean, there is a percentage of men as well. But I mean, you never hear men say, hey, like this bodybuilder or like this actor is showing unrealistic body standards. They're like, "Okay, I can do this. Let's go to the gym and do this while a girl would also while a girl would probably be like, hey, this is like unrealistic body standards. Not saying that there aren't men who feel like that, 
but I think our society through social media or whatever, you know, through ads and mm. commercials that we we are showing that like there's a certain generic stereotypical body like a woman should look like. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we are. Beauty is such an important part of a woman's mm. life in society now. It's just mm. a construct. What kind of like is there a certain kind of message are you conveying? You want to convey through your photography? Yeah, of course. That's an incredible big part of what I do. Like, I am really idealistic as a person. I always wanted to change the world, and I always thought I was going to be a lawyer because injustice makes me really angry. And yeah, everyone always said that as well. I was wearing long coats at school, and they were like, "Yeah, I can. I couldn't tell that you're going to be a lawyer. Like, I can see it." And then I discovered like just creativity. I just discovered entrepreneurship and I got super inspired. I, I, I knew I will not become a lawyer. Like it's just looking at words all the day, all day long, writing all day long. I need like creativity as well in my life. Then I um, got into um, sustainable fashion and I uh, stepped away from fast fashion because I just saw how horrible it was. I mean, I used to be a Zara girl. Like I used to buy everything from Zara. I would never even think. Like it wouldn't even cross my mind that buying this piece of clothing is um, not allowing someone in in Asia to have a decent living. Like I am contributing to that directly by promoting uh, by supporting this company. And then I knew, like, okay, I like clothing. I like fashion. I like people. But I'm not gonna work for um, brands that I don't support or so my photography is a is a way to uh, I want to help sustainable entrepreneurs and sustainable brands to become more visible through photography so yeah I only work with um, slow fashion brands and conscious entrepreneurs and that's really good I mean uh, Stockholm I've seen a lot of like uh, now there's a trend of using uh, secondhand uh, clothes and not just clothes like anything like uh, furniture and electronics and, and there's like a big market for that like that's yeah but really in Sweden it's already a thing mm. it has been a thing for a longer time the second hand stores here are just epic and I feel like you find really cool stuff like uh, if you want to be unique go to a second hand store mm-hmm. otherwise like uh, H&M Zara I mean they have just yeah. one collection and everybody's wearing the same thing exactly and I think Gen Z slowly understanding that, like however the Shane holes but like thrifting, it is popular. It's already popular in the US and it's slowly more popular amongst Gen Z. I mean, the low rise pants and stuff, they are already rocking them. But of course, fast fashion is also copying that style. And it's just sometimes convenient because you can find immediately your size. And then you have Shane, who's just super good at like these algorithms and um, with the algorithms, and they know exactly what people want and they produce it super quickly. And it's so cheap. It's like cheaper than secondhand. Mm-hmm. It's just absurdly cheap. So that also makes me a bit worried. I thought Gen Z was really on the sustainability vibe, but then Shane is booming. Mm-hmm. So do you know about Shane? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's this weird struggle where who is to blame? Are the consumers to blame because we are giving them the money to produce more and more? We are the... Uh, we are pr- providing the demand or mm. is it the company who is to blame because they are giving, uh, they're destroying the competition and they're holding a monopoly that the consumers have no other choice. Yeah. Are you asking me whether it's the consumers or the companies? That I mean, there is no clear answer, I would think. <laughs> just, uh, I think it's more the companies <laughs> because um, even sustainable fashion consumers, it has sh- been shown by a sustainable fashion pioneer, um, called Armed Angels from Germany, 
um, they did on Black Friday as a kind of experiment where they wanted to see to see whether their sustainable-minded consumers would um, choose a discount code on Black Friday and therefore be less sustainable, uh, or if they would pay the full price. And 80% of their customers, what do you think they chose? Discount. Yes, of course. <laughs> so even sustainable-minded consumers, they have a higher priority to save money than to save the planet. And that's just human psychology. So then that company understood okay, we we are really the ones who have to steer the wheel and just go in the right direction. We can't just follow our consumers because apparently money is still more important. Mm. I think that's a really good insight. That's why governments really need to step up. And But of course, the power of uh, citizens is also really big. I think it also, while we are uh, so money-oriented, I mean, human beings have always been greedy in that way. We want more resources, more money, better our lifestyle. But nowadays, I think it's more has been fast-tracked because everywhere in the news you see, oh, the planet is ending, there are wars happening, nuclear war could happen and climate change and everything. Mm-hmm. We feel like there's like the doomsday is like right in the future and we want to just like live out to our max. You know, we don't yeah. see a long-term future for us. Yeah, It's more our mindset is developing into, okay, let's just live in the moment and earn as much as possible, live life to the fullest in the moment. Yeah, I, that's totally understandable. Like when the world is in such a crisis mode where one crisis after, after the other, you don't, you don't have the mental capacity to care. And that's dangerous, I think. Mm. Um, but of course, I'm also suspect to it. So, and I don't really know what the answer is. I think the answer, the focus should shift, of course, on climate change because that's a long-term struggle. But that doesn't mean that the war is not important or something. It's horrible. So, yeah, but I know what you mean. And that, uh, like in um, in crises, you can also see that the sales of, for example, makeup really go up because people need a way to escape. Uh, and apparently makeup is a sign for that. It has been shown in, in history as well. They predicted that the sales of makeup would go higher. Uh, I think it was, yeah, during the war, but also mostly after Corona, of course. Wouldn't that be just because people are going out more and when they, you go out, you put makeup on? Yeah, that was one thing with the corona. But also when when there's a lot going on, people apparently um, need something to be distracted. Mm-hmm. And I think that making yourself beautiful is a way to do that for some reason, because it's a superficial thing. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, um, you could also say that because entertainment is so popular nowadays, like mm-hmm. movie stars are like our gods right now. We worship them. Yeah. That's also an aspect of just escaping reality. People are yeah. like MCU movies or whatever, you know, big franchises. It's all about just like cranking out more unrealistic, like out of this world thing just because yeah. uh, we can escape reality. That was like a recently I heard on a podcast that why are... Bollywood movies full of dances and songs and they're like hours long and so colorful and it's just like yeah. something completely out of this world most Bollywood movies and then this guy he said that's because a lot of Indians are living in poverty and their normal lives are horrible mm. and the only way they escape is to go watch a movie why would they want to watch a sad depressing movie no. while their own life is Literally. bad yeah yeah do you feel hopeful for the future? Do you think we will save the planet? Yeah. Um, in a way, yes. 
uh, I read a small book about it called The Sustainable Belgian. And that, there they interviewed different generations in Belgium and asked how hopeful they are about climate change. And the main conclusion is that no one is hopeful, that everyone thinks there's not going to be a change. And I think that's like already the killer, because if you don't believe, then nothing can happen. That's the same in your own life. If you don't believe you can get that job, you'll not get it. If you don't believe you can be a good photographer, how can you ever get it? Like, that's the power of your mind. And that's why um, manifestation is such a big thing, because you envision a certain reality. So if we would all envision and close our eyes and believe in a better world where sustainability is um, our priority, then I definitely think we can. And I think there are a lot of hopeful things happening. Um, and I think everyone can be a part of it. So, yeah, I'm hopeful and I hope I'm contributing to it by allowing sustainable brands to be more visible. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, you are not, clearly. <laughs> it's, it's difficult for me to pick a side because on one hand, yeah, I can see that an individual can make a difference. But at the same time, you see like the people who are actually making the climate worse or people who are in power, they are not doing anything. It feels like if you are like, if a, an in individual is sa saving one drop of water per day, the companies or the military or these oil chemical companies, they're wasting an ocean loads of water. Mm -hmm. So even though if we make small changes in the long run, it doesn't make a big difference. I was looking at the stat that the US military alone is responsible for I think more than 50 countries combined worth of CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking about that. And oh, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I mean, in a way you can, yeah, that's my, that's my conflict that, okay, I, maybe I can make a difference, but in the long run, is it really going to matter? Because eventually, like, I don't see anything happening in terms of like uh, all these oil and consumer uh, like uh, companies and but we are transitioning to more like yeah electric cars for example ali it's not yeah. enough <laughs> of course but but there's also a big caveat with the electric cars in the beginning people were like oh yeah we're shifting yeah, to yeah, electric but where is the electricity coming from yeah, it's coming from coal plants yeah, and renewable obviously there was a really funny video recently watched this tesla ran out of power and the guy had a diesel generator, which he attached the charger to the Tesla to charge it. And he was oh. pouring diesel into the generator. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's also, it's very weird. Like, we can never, we can never stick to one good thing. We have no. to ruin everything. Yeah, but I think the moment you, you lose hope, I think you lost it. So we really have to believe. And mm -hmm. I think with elections, you can make a big difference. Choosing the right parties who really care about it and... Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about this. I mean, of course, I'm also anxious and it's just so hard to grasp. But I'm really scary when I see, scared when I see these heat waves and I see these floods. Some weeks ago in Stockholm, it was raining like really mm. intensely. Just but yesterday, it was crazy. Yeah, yesterday as yeah. well. But I think two weeks ago, I went to an event and Oakland oh, was insane. Like I couldn't even bike. Uh, it, the, the streets were just flooded. I was like, oh my God, am, am I now like going to be on the news? Is this what, what it means? Is this what a flood means like? Is it what it feels like? This was just for me like, okay, climate change is literally here, even in Stockholm, even in the West. Mm -hmm. We are all experiencing it and we should really wake up.
Yeah, just a few weeks ago, it was hotter in Stockholm than my city in Pakistan, which has never happened before. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What is it usually like there? I um, mean, it, it gets hot like 40s. Mm-hmm. In the winter, it gets like zero. But even in, in now winters, oh. like some days in December, it's colder over there than in Stockholm. Okay, yeah. 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 So it's all messed up nowadays. But there's like this philo- philosophical view that everything human beings do is because we know that eventually we're all going to die. Like all human beings are aware of the fact. And everything, yeah. every action, every decision that we make is in response to that existential dread. And it's hard to when you are so... And we are at the core... We are living creatures who who are only here to survive, you know? Yeah. Our main purpose, our main goal is to survive. And when the whole system is so corrupted with like, it's uh, like our generation is so hard to afford cars and houses while the previous generation had it really easy. Mm-hmm. So when you're all concerned about your own survival, like how are you going to think about future generations? So we're stuck in this weird loop mm-hmm. where we want to think about the future but we have to think about our present first. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. also like know, you cannot yeah. live others until you live, love no, yourself, you know? That's, that's super clear. That's extremely clear. Like if you're hungry, you're not going to mm-hmm. think on So that's why I'm saying I cannot say I'm hopeful. It's just like the world is just super messed up right now. Yeah, but we... Okay, being hopeful, what does that mean? Like, does that mean that everything is going to be all right? Or does that mean that we should just believe that we can change a bit mm-hmm. and then... Hopefully, many people change a bit and then it's a heap, or like a whole lot. Yeah, but if you look at human history, this has never happened that all of humankind just decided to work for the betterment <laughs> of something. Yeah. Human beings are super greedy and super selfish, and the only human care beings about are also good. There's this book from Rutger Bergman, like, uh, humans are, how is it called? Um, I don't remember something that the point is that we are all good in a way. We also want the best. Like, once you have children, you will understand, I think. Then you want the best for your children, and, you, and then you can distance yourself from your own fate and that your one's going to die um, when they're going to die. Mm. So then I think, in, in a way, we are, we are selfish people, but we also do a lot of good things for each other. I think it's so black and white to always say that humankind is yeah, just bad. No, I mean, it doesn't make sense. No, not like entirely. I think like most human beings, I have the first impression I always have good. Like a, a human, a, someone will do good and they're like a good person. I never think of people who are bad. But I feel like collectively when you try to do something, the thing is human beings are also not ready to take actions. Not every one of us is brave. And the people who are brave enough to take control are mostly throughout history have been corrupt. That's why, why do we get, why are politicians always corrupt? Like there's like a population of however million, why do always the bad people come in power? Because that's the people who are willing to take that, who are willing, they'll be like, isn't it really weird? Like someone says, oh, hey, I wanna be a leader of this country. Like, isn't that a bit narcissistic to think, hey, I can be in charge, I know. You're going to help others by being in charge if you have yeah. the right decisions. That's the thing. How do you know you are making the right decision for other people? What gives you the authority to decide for other people what's good or what bad? But if you don't do it, someone else who has crazier ideas might do it. Someone has to go there and do it. Like every, the whole world needs leaders. 
Yeah, we need leaders, but then the people who are willing to lead, who are willing to take control, are evil people. Some are, not all are. Most of them, I would say. If you see the world leaders right now, I don't know. I think we come from different realities. I come from Pakistan. Yes. It's a third world country. It's I've seen a, a lot of corruption. While yeah. I guess y- you are coming from a European perspective. Yeah, I think we have a culture clash, right? Yeah, there. yeah. But it's cool to discuss <laughs> this. I mean, in Belgium, not everyone loves the government. It's mm-hmm. like in Sweden, there's a very big um, trust in the government, which mm-hmm. I find admirable. I love it. Like there was, I was biking in Slussen and the police gave us like this bike uh, guide of how to bike. And people were just like, yeah, thank you. It's like, wow. Just like accepting from like police, like everyone should just work together for the the good of the society. And that's how society should work. And this is this is also another part where we have different opinions. Where you, When you saw like Swedish are so trusting in the government, you thought this was good. Yeah. But from my perspective, I think no, because it's like people shouldn't trust the government that much because the government, like coming from a Pakistani perspective, you know, like our most of our politicians throughout our history has been corrupt. Yeah, but don't then, you think Sweden works well as a country? Yeah, yeah, yes, for Sweden. So then that I means think, that the government has done a good job so far, doesn't it? Not in everything, of course. Yeah, I know. Overall, if you compare to other countries. Mm, yeah, if you look at just like the Swedish case right now, yeah, I would agree with you. But um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So people in power will take, you know, I, I wouldn't say Sweden is the best country. They say they're neutral, but they have a very dark past. Like they have a colonial past. Nobody discusses Nobody discusses what they did in World War Two. Like people have a very good image, optimistic mm-hmm. image about Sweden, which is kind of like a bad thing about it. They don't want to face their own dark realities. Okay. It's also, I think, the same thing when I discuss people with gun control. Where I'm kind of pro-gun, where when people say people who are mostly I have these debates with are like Swedish people or Western yeah. white people who have lived in safer societies. How come are you? Yeah, be, you, you yeah. So grow, yeah, growing up, it's like a safety issue. Like uh, in Pakistan, you cannot trust the authorities to take care of you. Like you, uh, people will rob you on the street, or like we have had several like uh, coups in Pakistan yeah. as well. So. Uh, individual having a gun has helped like in my personal experience like my family there was an incident where if my dad didn't have a gun it had it would have gone very bad so uh, th- coming from a personal perspective guns have been good in my experience yeah, I understand while i think yeah. it also depends from society society yeah. like in america there's a shooting every week which is oh. obviously not good yeah no but everyone ha- wants to have the right to be able to protect themselves mm. and it- I think it's a privilege to live in a society where you don't need a gun. Mm. It's absolutely a privilege. This took a dark turn. <laughs> yeah, how did how did we get to politics? Let's go back to photography. Okay, tell or me about your most embarrassing story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I actually have. No, have we... you had any uh, bad experiences with clients? No. No, that's really good. Not at all. Um, no, I really care about uh, my clients. I think. They are all people with same values. Mm. So they also want to make the world a better place. So I have a hard time being like that there would be weird people or mm. bad people. It fills me great joy when I see people like you or people like Lota who are like taking the stance of, uh, you know, we are going to make a change. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love surrounding myself with people who mm. 
who believe in in something and who you know from maybe it's also super small scale like what am i doing i'm basically taking photos for brands and for people to help their brand become bigger and be more visible but that can have a big impact if that brand becomes really big or if that brand is big and they become even bigger because the photos are so good because that's what photography can do like there's no big brand with bad photos so you can really use creativity in a way to have an impact on the world and everyone has their own skill and everyone can make an impact mm-hmm. how small it is and if you enjoy making that creative project or doing these creative things even better because you're both create doing something good and you're being a happy person and more happy people create other happy people and mm-hmm. it's creates just a better world i think mm. yeah i think a good side of social media is in a way that artists are supporting other artists yeah. really, really a lot there's no i don't see a lot of jealousy or competition it's most like like uh, people would like if i cannot give a give i can give the gig to my friend or like i would mm. like promote other people's yeah, pages community. yeah community i think yeah. that's a good part of social media yeah true yeah it should st- still be more though mm. like i think in the photography world there's not even trans- not enough transparency and not enough community actually like even talking about prices mm. like uh, i love this podcast called the portrait masters it's uh, started by F- Sue Bryce and uh, there they talk a lot about like pricing and how how can we help each other to like all enjoy our passion and that's just such a beautiful thing like community over competition even with women we we are so good at talking down on each other and talking each other down and yeah i think transparency and community are always going to win mm. yeah uh, there is this do you know Jessica Cobesi yeah of course yeah i mean everybody knows that yeah i think uh, i used to watch her a lot in the beginning and she was really helpful she was like here this uh, this is the kind of contract i give to my clients this is what i charge yeah. and that's i think really helpful yeah it's amazing mm-hmm. how you can empower people through like the internet yeah mm-hmm. especially for artists where people normally the clients do not know how to value our work uh, our work exactly yeah, yeah but pricing is a really difficult thing yeah mm-hmm. and given that there's not enough transparency it's really hard to understand the market but i've also heard that you don't need to depend make your prices dependent on the market mm. you need to depend it on your worth like what your worth like how much what can you offer and how is that how valuable is that for your clients because if you're for example promising someone to uh change their life with a certain service that's worth so much money you know people want to pay like thousands of euros for that mm. if you're promising them to make the, their brand becomes super big and that they are doing something that has a big impact they will pay you if they know that you're the right person for their project yeah it's all about selling and marketing yeah <laughs> like i i i have uh, compromise on prices so much with some clients were like yeah. because i feel like uh, stockholm uh, photography market is not very big and i feel like oh and then you feel it yeah yeah right? um I don't know there's not many gigs like especially uh, compared to like uh, Pakistan again like I always compared the two in my head mm-hmm. and if uh, in Pakistan like especially just the wedding scene and the model photography and the brands it's just yeah. like so bigger the brands really? have way bigger budget than over here and photography I think they value photography really really good uh-huh. over there in Pakistan yeah and people are like spending our weddings are so big maybe you've seen you know yeah, indian pakistani yeah, weddings yes and i love that it's all about showing off and you need the good photographer uh, and videographer to make yeah, ev- really? capture everything Incredible. so it's like yeah it's really good uh, it's really big big yeah. business there and here how has your experience been with yeah i mean even just 
comparatively to wedding like Swedish weddings are just like a small 2-3 hours event and you know that's it you might have a couple shoot or uh, that's it while I think especially in the age of like uh, smartphones where people are like hey let's just take our own videos and cameras and just share the pictures among yeah. each other we don't need to hire a professional camera photographer yeah, yeah I see you also do video actually or no I do okay. just photography yeah. sometimes they expect us like do you also do video I'm like no Like it's like asking a cook like do you also um do the styling mm. of the table like oh no yeah. it's two totally different skills yeah i mean if i if i would want to in the future i can like but my focus is just something else mm. and also some client don't know they they expect you to do video and photo shoot or like photography at, at the, the same, same time, time. Yeah, exactly. like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> but have you shot weddings here then yeah yeah i've done several yeah, yeah. and how do you find those clients then Uh, through social media, like there are like several groups with photographers and book a photograph or something like that. And people mm-hmm. post, hey, I have a wedding coming up in two weeks. Who wants this is our budget or this is the date. And people comment their yeah. portfolios. And then What would you say is a, like a budget for a wedding here, actually? Because I know that for weddings, you can ask up to. Uh, yeah, it's thousand all- crowns or yeah. something, but it depends how good you are, right? Yeah, I don't have a fixed budget for. Or when I uh, show it to my clients, I ask them. I mean, each wedding is different. How many people are coming? Mm. Uh, like, how big uh, is the event and everything? I think, uh, yeah, it all depends on that. You can ask low prices. You can have big prices. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it depends on the individual event, I guess. Individual yeah. client. Yeah, yeah. But like people like ask good amounts, and I think. I mean, it's the same thing with client. There's no like, like you know, for like, um, let's say Uber or taxi. Mm. You know, there's like this fixed amounts. Like, yeah, this, you're not gonna like uh, pay yeah, a lot for that. Yeah, it's it's like okay, everyone agrees that the price to go from here to here is four hundred crowns. It's not like oh, you're gonna give me a better ride. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's no specific thing for photography. Everything, and then. It's also scary that I feel like, hey, if I, uh, let's say, if I offer a client ten thousand crowns for uh, that's my price for mm. this wedding, mm. and they'll be like, hey, this other photographer is doing it for six thousand, and then I'm just gonna go with them. So there's no fixed market value, and other photographers are kind of willing. Some people are willing to lower their prices just to get that project. Yeah, that's understandable, but I think if you continue. To know that you're worth that price and that you just say, okay, you sure can go with that other photographer of six thousand crowns, but you're not going to get as good photos or you're yeah. not going to get this specific style. Like yeah. photography is all about style and mm-hmm. liking the way someone approaches the work. And Yeah, exactly. So you have a lot of leverage, actually. Mm-hmm. It's not like you want a coffee, you want a latte or like another latte from another coffee shop. It's not, uh, yeah, then you will choose the cheaper latte. Uh, except if the place where you're gonna drink it is super cool, mm. so it's yeah. Mm. I think people should really believe in their words mm. and charge what they want. Yeah. Plus, I find it hard negotiating here mm-hmm. because there's not a system of um, uh, haggling. You know, like if I uh, in Pakistan, there's like a big thing of haggling. Like yeah, down the, go like oh. yeah, here go uh-huh. there, no, there's let's go there's let's meet in the middle. <laughs> so sometimes I uh, sometimes I give like a higher price to my clients yeah. and I feel like okay let's negotiate you know they're gonna come with okay this is our budget I'll be like uh, okay let's meet here while people <laughs> you just give them their price 
and they just go away. They never reply to you again. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, like several times this has happened to me. Like if you give them a price, they don't even try to say, hey, can you lower it? They just go to another person. Yeah, because they're not used to this. Nego- negotiating is not a thing. I've, no. I've never done that in photography. Like, yeah, no. I think that's a bit... Then you show that you don't really... Like your price should be what you want and it's what is worth. Maybe maybe if it's a company that can't afford it or something or they have a specific budget, then you can mm. negotiate. But for yeah. like weddings, I'll be mm. like, this is the price. If you don't want it, go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what other hobbies do you have except for photography? Um, do you consider it as a hobby or do you consider it as your work? No, my work, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, no, other than that, I love cooking. Uh, <laughs> I do badminton. Oh. I like running. Um, I like meeting people, actually. Really social. I meet someone new almost every day sometimes. Like, the upcoming week is crazy. I have, like, a photo shoot. I have, like, a coffee. I have, like, a, an event. I just really get energy from people. And, um, yeah, but I think photography takes a big part of my, like, free time as well. Like, mm. Yeah. And you see yourself, like, doing this, like, as a career? Yeah, um, it's more part-time, actually, at the moment. Um, um, I graduated in marketing, and I really want to work with that. So um, I'm now actually in the process of, um, yeah, working in marketing here and mm. getting a job and all of that. Cool. There is no for- a movie that's based on photography or photographer. Like, I think, uh, mm. like, there, there's so many movies about all kinds of professions. That would be really cool, actually. That's yeah. true. Never seen a movie about that. No. That's very weird. Pitch it to someone. Mm, maybe I'll make it one day. <laughs> yes, yes, after the Dome the podcast. Mm. Do you read books? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I used to read a lot more when I was younger, like everyone, and then the visual culture came. Mm. <laughs> uh, but I do. Um, I'm, I'm try- I try to read more regularly now that I live in Sweden, actually. Um, I, try- I, I don't watch a series when I go to sleep. I read. What did I just finish? I finished a f- yeah, Swedish book about a family in Finland. Mm-hmm. Do you read a lot? Yeah. Uh, less now, slowly, because podcasts are taking over my life. So mm. uh, rather than reading books, but uh, I still do. There's this book called The House of Leaves. It's actually my favorite book. Okay. And in the book, I'm not going to spoil it, but the there's like a, it's a, the crux of the story is this guy who's a Pulitzer winning photographer he's like award-winning photographer mm-hmm. and he has two kids and uh, his family moves into a new house mm-hmm. and his marriage is kind of uh, falling apart yeah. because he's always on a photography like for different companies and journalism and Nat Geo whatever all over the world mm-hmm. so he doesn't spend too much time with his wife and so in this book he puts cameras everywhere in every room of his house and to capture It's his way, like his wife says, okay, it's either you, it's either us, the family, or photography, your work. So you have to choose one. So mm-hmm. so he moves into this new house and he thinks, okay, it's a new start for the whole family. And then he still puts up cameras to record their new kind of beginning. So, so, so he stops photography to focus on his family? Yeah, but at the same time, he's recording everything. So he yeah. keeps kind of connected with photography. Oh, interesting <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually... I only gave you like 0.1% of the book. Okay. The book is entirely about something else. <laughs> uh-huh. Then I, I put it on my list. Yeah. I've never read a book about a photographer. Mm. 
is yeah, photography is just such an interesting medium. I don't know. You just like fall in love with it. Yeah, and this book, there is no audio version available. I'll show you later on why is that. It uh-huh. can only be it can only be read okay. on paper. There's also a reason for that. Probably. Yeah, because it's um, if I had to, if someone asked me what is this book, yeah. this book is about a journal, about a research paper, about a documentary, about a family. That. <laughs> it's like inceptions of all books. Ah, is it? Is it a bit like a meta book? Where you have yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ish, not realities, but it's a very meta book. Okay. A lot of like different conspiracy theories regarding this book. Nobody truly understand what this really? is all about. Yeah. I don't know if I like that then. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Some people really like it. Some people don't like it at all. I like when things are clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What kind of books do you do you have a favorite book? Um it's probably like a book that I read like when I was in high school. The Holy Bible. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no. Um Yeah, but it's a Dutch book. You will not know it. Mm-hmm. It's about the World War uh World War 1 actually. Like I like historical things. I like his, um historical movies as well. Have you seen Voortijd er nu? No. It's uh, um, a Swedish series called The Restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like the best series I've ever seen. It's just you follow a family who is living in Stockholm in 1945 and they have a restaurant. And uh, then you follow them through the years until the 70s. And uh, you see the clothing change, the makeup change. And it's like both action, romance, drama, all in one. And it was so funny because... Uh, I was so obsessed with that series, and one day I was on the, the train from, was it Gothenburg to Stockholm? No, opposite, I think. And I was next to, um, sitting next to a wom- woman, and I loved her scarf. And I was like, oh, you're such a, such a nice scarf. And she's like, thank you. I got it in, like, I think it was somewhere in Asia. And then I said, oh, what do you do? I le- we just started talking. Um, and she's like, yeah, I work as a makeup director. And I was like, what's that? I mean, I know makeup artist, but she's like, yeah, I'm the one who that says what the makeup artist should do. And I was like, do you work for movies and like series? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, And I felt, I felt that she was like a big person or something. Mm-hmm. I felt that she was like someone that I would love to meet. And I was like, uh, like I just asked, did you, were you the makeup director of Voortijd en Nu? She said, yes. Oh. I was like, what? I was just like starstruck. It's, yeah, this just happened. And I was like, oh, that's insane. I am obsessed with that series. How, tell me about it. How was it? And then she showed me all of the behind the scenes of those actors. I was like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> just like, oh, and she's actually an amazing person. And we had a coffee afterwards. So, yeah. And then, yeah. Anyways, that was about the series. Yeah. If you think about it, like, like one decision can like lead your life in another direction. Yes. Imagine if you never... Complimenting her scarf. scarf. Yeah. That's actually one thing that I really do in my life. Every time I try, every time I have the opportunity and I find someone intriguing or interesting or I, um, you really have to dare. It takes like two seconds of courage to go to that person to have a conversation. Uh, whether you find someone attractive or you find someone inspiring or you just, yeah, it's like three seconds of courage and you get so much in return. Like I've really had like, let me think if I got friends because of them. I don't think friends necessarily. Um, Only enemies. But like really connections, no. Yeah, so that's just a, yeah. a tip for everyone listening. Just uh, learn to approach people. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And mm. you will feel so proud and strong afterwards. Mm. 
No, I love that as well. Yeah. Human connection is like the one thing I really I'm fascinated by it because like uh, like uh, I'll give you an example like a couple of weeks ago I was going at a wedding and then sitting on the train and there was a girl like around her 20s she was crying like really really hard mm-hmm. crying and there are like people around her like doing nothing doing right? nothing yeah. and that's like crazy to me I went to her and then asked her is everything all right she told me uh she broke up with her boyfriend that's why she's crying but like it's crazy that you can just ignore like a human being in pain mm. and yeah sadness. but it's a form of respect though Oh, so yeah, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe someone was bothering her, or like you know, maybe you can help her in some way. But at least asks, you know. Yeah, no, that's really nice. Yeah, but I think in general, I mean, I've cried on the train as well, and mm. it's not that I want someone to be like, "Are you all right?" <laughs> I mean, but if it's like sobbing, yeah, maybe then you want to have someone who's like, "Are you all right?" Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm not all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's nice of you. And did she get feel better afterwards? Or? I don't know. <laughs> What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I just asked her if is everything all right, and I said, like, yeah. "Yeah, I broke up with my boyfriend." But yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. And I asked her if nobody's bothering. She's like, "No, okay." Mm, okay so it's just like, yeah. I mean, uh, we are, especially Swedes, they're very reluctant to t- talk to strangers. Mm, I mm. have it there. <laughs> so, but it's it's just cultural. They're not bad people. No, no. Yeah. So uh, I know we keep on saying that, being like whatever expats are not born here. I mean, I'm a half Italian, so I I love being really outgoing, and that's something in Belgium that was also not really a thing. Like I, I'm raised in a culture where talking to strangers is not like the norm. I know in the UK, for example, in America, oh, it's way more common. Um, but I'm used to like not sitting next to someone on the bus. It's not weird. You just want your own space, kind of. You have your friends. You don't need new friends. You don't need yeah. like to talk to the woman on the bus. Like mm. why? Yeah. But I love it, of course. So I do it, but. I understand it from a cultural perspective. How was it in Pakistan? Do you talk to strangers? I mean, we don't have a public transport system that's good that you. I mean, it's very. Uh, let me think. Yeah, I think. I mean, people aren't very reserved. Like, if you talk to a stranger, they won't be very reserved. Like, they will like. Uh, okay. We uh, Pakistanis are very hospitable people. So if you yeah. ask someone for help or if uh, you know, we are very. Uh, We welcome people very mm. with open arms. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing. Beautiful. Maybe you're not approaching strangers all the time, but if there is something that yeah. happens, people are very like open yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like asking the way to someone would be. Oh yeah, the people will be like, hey, "Get in my car, I'll show you." Oh, where. but like, you know that I love there. that. I, recently, yeah. I was biking to IKEA alone, um, and I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect, by the way. Um, that's important to say as well. And I was going there and there was a Swedish girl and I just couldn't find a bike way. Like my GPS said, just like, go here. And it was like a car road for 70 kilometers per hour. And I was just asking this girl, she looked like 18. Excuse me, excuse um, can I bike here? Or do you know when? And she was like, she really didn't want to talk to me. Like she she looked at me as if I was like a creep. And I was like, oh, wow. It's like, I'm sorry like that I'm disturbing you in like your walk. Just... Then I felt it. Then I felt like how not open it was. But I have to say that that's like one, uh, that's more like um, an exception from what I've experienced. Huh? Yeah. Now, the, I have a similar story where um, I work in the centrum and there's a cafe, espresso house in the centrum. Yeah. So uh, when I first started going there, like uh, I would like, uh, uh, I would like just talk to the, uh, the barista there and just like have small conversation, you know, do pleasantries and then like after several times 
like the barista comes to like my workplace and told my colleague, "Yeah, hey, this guy is really weird. Like, uh, why is he so friendly all the time?" And, and now I'm actually friends with the barista now. And she's like, yeah, I mean, we don't expect people to just like to be, be friendly. So friendly. People just come grab their coffee and go. <laughs> wow. Wow. What is a good sign? <laughs> it's nice yeah. to be called friendly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, it's also a very weird thing to make friends. Like, I think I am very good at being friendly, but I'm not good at, at making, making friends. friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's, I think it's easy to make friends, but hard to maintain friendships. Okay. And how come? Is it easy, not super easy for you or something? I don't know. It's just like, um, I think especially when you're an adult, like in school, you're just like, you jumbled have, yeah, together and then you, exactly. it's, uh, you have to make friends You're otherwise automatically friends yeah, exa- you spend time together exactly and now uh, after like when you're into an adulthood then you're also feeling like um, how is the other person's schedule look like how's my schedule look like yeah. and also think about I think the ego plays a thing in as well hey last time I invited them so maybe I should wait for them to invite me and oh really yeah but why would you go to the... You can also go meet up in the city. Is that a thing that you would wait for your friends to, like, invite you then? I've, I've noticed that. Even, like, people have told me that, like, they've invited me for something. And then they wouldn't... They didn't contact me again. And they were like, yeah, we were waiting for you to invite us. I think it's a Swedish thing. That it has to be a back and forth. Uh-huh, Okay. Yeah. And take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm really bad at reading situations like that. And like. So you had ex- experiences in which people were expecting that you would ask them, or opposite. Yeah, I think both in both cases. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think we should we should all drop those kind of like social expectations. Be yeah. like, if you want to meet someone, just ask them. Yeah. Like, what's the worst? Can I? Oh, I'm too busy. If they say that like three times, okay, then you're probably not good friends, mm. right? And then you know it and you just move on. Mm. But like, are you going to wait for people to invite you? Is that how you're going to live your life? <laughs> I hate waiting. I'm like, I'm just an active, like you have to take action if you want something. Like no one is going to give you your dream job. No one is going to give you your um, incredible friendships. You you really have to create everything for yourself. Mm. And some things will then come on your path and you have like a best friend suddenly or you have an incredible connection who gives you your dream job, but it all starts by taking action, I think. Yeah. I feel like a preacher. (laughs) (laughs) I have this several instances where I invited people to like different events or stuff, like a few times they've said no, but we are talking normally like on Instagram, like our, like, it feels like we're still friends Mm -hmm. while talking on Instagram on the DM, sending each other memes Mm -hmm. or sharing posts, whatever. But when you, I've invited them two, three times, but they always find an excuse, or maybe they're actually generally busy. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. But if you, if it's like, I would say, if it's after four times, mm-hmm. then that person probably is not super interested to meet. Mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, how many times have I like approached someone on the street for a photo shoot, and then they go like, yeah, sure, let's do it, you know? And then I come home and. Um, Either they don't follow me back, which means that they don't like my style or something, which is totally fine. That's that's like how life works, you know. And or um, you, I even had a, once I scheduled a photo shoot with someone. I made a whole mood board, and then I didn't get an answer. Mm. Like we planned a date and a location, and then it, she just like ghosted me, like so ungrateful. <laughs> because I mean, I offered like a free portfolio shoot to her, 
Um, so that's just how life is, actually. Mm. Once you know who cares about you, then you're good. But not everyone is going to do that. This one time I scheduled a shoot with the model and she was like kind of a friend, but not like really, we weren't really close, mm-hmm. but kind of like a same like group of friends or whatever. And then I show up to the shoot. We like, it was like, we talked about this several times. It was like planned and everything, you know? And then an hour passed. She's not replying her messages and oh. like, and then she just doesn't show up. Wow. I go home several hours later. That's uh, horrible. Several hours later, she's like, oh, I didn't set it on my calendar. I totally forgot about it. And do you want to do it some other time? I'm like, uh, I'm like, no, I think I'm good, you know? And then she turned like completely like opposite. She's like, oh, uh, you don't believe me, blah, blah, blah. I want you to unfollow me from everywhere, unfriend me from social media. What? Yeah, it was super crazy. Because what is it that you, you clearly felt ignored yeah i mean if i'm putting so much effort at least show up you know maybe you're late then it's fine you cannot she just... really forgot i mean i don't know I, that can really happen i think i don't know whatever happened you're, you don't think so you're like nah she forgot on purpose i kind of knew that person and um But that's really mean eh? if you if you know that you're gonna meet someone and you just let mm. them stand there in the cold that's yeah i think that's quite mean yeah and then she turned it on me like she was the victim and she's like oh you don't believe me and then yeah I feel weird people but uh, it feels like you don't have need her in your life yeah yeah exactly so, so yeah I mean why would I well I wouldn't I'm gonna say oh no please be friends with me I don't want to unfollow you like yeah <laughs> it's your account you can unfollow me like why are you even asking me yeah no S- sounds like not someone want to have around so mm-hmm. have you been lucky with friends um mostly in my in my in the last couple of years of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> i would say that i would say that after uni- when university started then i slowly found myself more and then i knew what kind of people i wanted in my life in high school you just like no you just i mean no in the sense of you don't know yourself enough you don't know what kind of people you want around yourself and high school is just such a it's such a difficult period mm. i don't know you just really don't know who you are and I didn't always like myself and uh but for some reason yeah after university I found really good people. Um because I I think I I I'm good at reading how people are and I really picky though like um after a while I kind of know quickly if you have a good friendship potential. Mm-hmm. And once I like it shows you kind of wow then you're really there to stay kind of. Of course that person has to choose me too, huh? Mm-hmm. And um uh I love my friends. Yeah, I'm really picky like that as well. Like, I don't make friends with just anyone. Mm-hmm. Actually, my mother used to be concerned a lot. <laughs> or she used to tell me, oh, Musa doesn't make any friends. I'm really worried about him. Yeah. Like, like, growing up, I only had, like, one or two friends, like, really good friends that I would just But hang out. But at least out. you had a good friend, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Some people have no good friends. Yeah. And then now I'm also, I'm really, uh, I'm exactly the same. Like, I'm really good at reading people, what kind of person they are, and if I want to be f- in contact with them or not. Yeah, do you think there are people who don't have any good friends? Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Damn. I think there's a lot of people who um who have superficial friendships. Mm-hmm. Um and I think a lot of people think that some people have so many friends. That also social media is again like this thing that's like, "Oh, they're so popular and there's so many people around them and uh but then honestly really like who like who with who can you talk about like your relationship problems or something 
or about your relationship to your parents, like some deep stuff. Like, yeah. I think the people that I can talk about that are, I think I was almost all my friends, like really like, and that means that they are real friends mm. because I trust them in that way. Mm. Um, I heard the psychologists say that a good friend is someone who you can tell good news to and they don't get jealous and you can tell them bad news and they don't tell you something bad that happened to them. So oh, that's incredible. Yeah, that's a good quote. Mm. I love the jealousy part. Yeah, especially if you're if you have friends who are in the same field or something. Beautiful. And the negative one is because you want them to listen to you, right? Mm. Uh, if you if you feel bad, you just want to have someone listening to you. You don't want mm. someone to be like, "Yeah, but this happened to me. It's worse." I'm really good at rejoicing and sharing happiness with someone mm -hmm. but when someone is sad i'm like okay what like, bye. <laughs> yeah. really but you should just listen and ask questions it's not difficult you feel uncomfortable when people are sad yeah let's try to be sad then <laughs> comfortable in a way that I, i want to help them it's not like i don't want to help them like mm -hmm. intentionally my intention is to i i want to do whatever to comfort them and you know make them feel better i just don't know what to do because some people want to be left alone when they're sad some people you can want ask to have Anna? comfort you, do you want to do you want to be alone do you want to talk about it do you want to mm. have food like mm. <laughs> that's why communication is important. yeah true true i think i'm learning a lot here <laughs> are you i feel like i'm spilling out all my life lessons <laughs> and I've recently made like big life lessons or something mm -hmm. especially the one about like manifesting and I'm usually not a spiritual person um, but I've, I think that I haven't allowed myself to be my full potential in my head like I, I really think a lot I overthink and uh, your mind can really take so much from you it can hold you back in so many ways Like, you can really be anyone you want. You can do anything you want. I mean, maybe you cannot go to the moon, like, without anything. Like, you know, of course, there's, like, limits. But if you want to become, like, um, the best fashion photographer in town or something, you know, <laughs> like, you can. It's all about, I think it's, it's about, like, many things. Like, mindset. So it's about, like, believing that you can and staying positive, ignoring negativity and uh, following your own path. And then it's about uh, controlled steps towards that goal. I mean, you cannot just sit there and manifest your dream. Mm. I don't know. Is this something you think about? Do you have big dreams? Like, or goals or aspirations? Or you don't allow yourself to dream because of maybe physical, like, practicalities? Or I do have big dreams. What is a big dream of yours? It's also important to voice it, though. I mean, not everyone, but... I want to visit every country in the world. Mm -hmm. That's one of my dreams. I want to climb Everest. That's one of my dreams. Okay. That's super achievable. I want to have a pet dog. That's one of my dreams. A pet dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's That you can have tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think so. I have a lot of big dreams, but I also... If my dreams don't come true... I don't think I would be sad. Like, I am satisfied with my life right now, how it is. Are you sure about that? Satisfied in a way where I still have passion to 
reach bigger, to become a better person, to reach bigger goals. Mm-hmm. You know, I still mm-hmm. have that fire inside yeah. me, but I also have this thing inside me where I am grateful and content with what I have right now and where I am. Yeah, but that's super good. That's incredible. Because you should always enjoy where you are. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're suddenly going to be happy when you reach the goal. It's about... But I think that many people don't allow themselves to dream and that are because they're afraid to fail. And I'm one of them. Like when you're a perfectionistic person with big dreams, you don't want to fail. That's the worst that can happen. Like you don't want to disappoint yourself. It's not about other people. It's about yourself. But by like fear, it's just never a good guideline. Like, like fuck fear. I just want to say like really guide yourself by by meaning and yeah i think that's just so important and many people don't they don't realize that even when they're older that they lived a life in fear and in scarcity i don't know if this makes sense it's like quite abstract but no it does yeah but i get the sense that you weren't always this person when did you make the switch to being more open-minded and confident and being into manifesting things was this like a certain thing that yeah. changed you um but i've always been someone who knew that if i don't believe that i can do something i won't be able to do it because i did gymnastics i did artistic gymnastics when i was younger and i had a sp- i've told this to some friends recently and there's like you know simone biles for example you know the four yeah, yeah, different yeah. um elements and one of them is to like run and then you have to jump on um like some i don't know how it's called in english and then on a certain <laughs> you have to do like a flip. It's like one long lane and you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, like it's a, a, spr- a sprung, uh, a jump kind of. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and I remember when I would stand there, uh, I actually had two shots. Like if I would fail the first one, I could do the second one. But I knew that if I would fail the first one, that I would only have one left. Mm-hmm. And that is really important to uh, get a good price at the competition because it's one of the four. So it's 50, 25%. And... Uh, when I would stand there, being like six years old, I would already like manifest kind of or like envision that I would uh, succeed in that sp- specific exercise. And I would know that um, if I wouldn't believe in that specific moment before starting to run, that I would like place my foot on the wrong side, which is just super detrimental because that makes the whole jump, that I would not be able to do it. So there I would just like really focus deeply and envision um, that I would successfully jump. And then I did. So that's where I understood, like, it's really in your mind. Because your your body does what your mind says. And I think I I knew that all the way, kind of, and I've always followed my dreams, and now I'm, I'm living in Sweden, like a dream of mine, and I'm pursuing all of my dreams, kind of, and my life is, I'm really happy. But I think I've also kind of, like, forgotten that in a way. And I'd only recently found back that kind of like allowing myself to dream a bit bigger. And that's because of this podcast called uh, The Portrait Masters. So uh, again, podcast or audio or like other people can inspire you in such a positive way. Uh, it was actually a podcast from Lola Melani, it's like a photographer, and she talked about manifesting. And she was from Russia and she moved to the US and she became this incredible photographer because she believed it. And no one else believed that she could do it. And she did it. You know, like she knew she could. And if she wouldn't have believed it, of course, she would have still stayed in the same spot. Yeah, every successful person has this story that nobody believed in them because they had this crazy reality, yeah. this crazy dream. And of course, 
there comes a lot of risk and who's willing to take that risk and if you take the risk and you're successful then you're that 1% who has achieved it mm. but 99% people fail achieving their dream so that's why once you fail at something then if i if i like dream about getting you know let's say if i was in pakistan i had a dream of moving to sweden and i couldn't do it then it would also hinder me from having oh, other dreams yes. yeah That's true. Um, I don't know what to say to that, actually, because I guess I'm very privileged in that sense. And maybe maybe you can alter your dreams uh, depending on like what reality allows you, uh, because some people might have a very unrealistic dream. And then on, on the way, they might understand that they can find another dream that can make them as happy. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I have enough life experience to answer this. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I just had deja vu. Really? Of this moment right now. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Someone saying I don't have enough life experience. <laughs> I feel, I'm like, I'm so young. I feel like, oh, wow, oh, these are my life lessons so mm. far. But probably, like, if you talk to me in 20 years, you'd be like, mm. what did I say back then? Hopefully, I, I, I still feel the same and hopeful mm. and positive. But Yeah, you kind of feel sad to me when I see people in their 40s and 50s kind of give up on life. Mm. They have a house and they have children. They're paying their bills. They don't dream big. Mm-hmm. Again, they kind of they don't have hobbies. They don't have goals anymore. <laughs> That's like my nightmare. Mm, same. Yeah. What is what do you how do you want to live your life when you're a bit older? I don't want to get older. If you ask me last year how long I want to live, I would say 30. And I still haven't changed my mind that much. What do you mean 30? But before we come back into this conversation, I wanted to also, what you were talking about, dreaming big and everything, I thought we should also, some sometimes we get caught up in dreaming big and achieving bigger things. Yes. We don't realize all the small things we have already achieved. No, I absolutely agree. Like It's not about um, focusing on, oh, I want to be... A successful this and you're only thinking about that and you're not enjoying the present I think it's really about allowing yourself to feel and become the person that you want to become it's ma- maybe achieve is a wrong word maybe success is a wrong word because they are all words that are so loaded with maybe capitalism and and money and um, the one that made it or something kind of story But honestly, if you if your dream is to take photos of strangers or something, yeah, and you're like, oh, I don't dare to. And if that's your kind of way of becoming a person you wanted to become, that's good enough. You know, some people's dreams are bigger. Some people's dreams are smaller. But allow yourself to feel and um, envision the person that you really want to be mm-hmm. without any boundaries. Yeah. Do you know this comedian, Russell Peters? No. He's like this Canadian. He's one of the biggest comedians in the world. Mm-hmm. And he was when I first, I think he was the first comedian I ever saw on YouTube. He had this like a very low quality back in the day, small clips of him making okay. fun of people. And then I just bought his tickets to watch him live on in Stockholm in October. Nice. And then in the moment, I didn't think about this. But after a while, I realized how long I've come Like, even if you asked me two years ago that if you told me I was going to watch Russell Peters live, I was like, right? it would have been crazy. 
maybe it wasn't a goal or a dream of mine, but it is a big thing, you know, that yeah. I kind of, I felt really happy about this, that sometimes you don't... Appreciate where you are. Sometimes you, some you dreams come true, which you didn't even know yes. you were dreams. I 100% agree. Mm. I actually made a LinkedIn post about that, about uh, celebrating your small wins and your small happiness moments, because, yeah, probably like if you would have dreamt of your ideal life three years ago, Maybe you're still at the same spot and then you should like wake up or something. But yeah, for example, for me, two years ago, I wanted to become like a happier, more social person and version of myself, which had more creativity in her life. And look where I'm now. It's literally what I'm doing. Like, mm -hmm. so you should really, really be happy and grateful for where you are. Yeah. So it's not all about the big dreams. It's about mm -hmm. being in the now. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was really nice having this conversation with you. Yeah, I feel like it was so spiritual, <laughs> yeah. like so live. <laughs> what? No, this is my regular conversation. <laughs> ah, okay. You always go that deep down memory lane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. it was really nice. Thank you for having really nice me. Nice and really nice coming here. Yeah. And thank you for listening. Peace be upon you all. Bye bye. <laughs>